Hello there, it's Katie. Today's episode is the follow-up to Cassie's home birth story. Last time we heard from her, she was expecting a baby and going to give birth in her home, having just arrived in Italy. Today we check back in on how it went. If you haven't heard episode 12, Home Birth, yet, go back and listen to that first. And now, the rest of the story. Welcome to Rome. This is The Bittersweet Life with Katie Sewell and Tiffany Parks. Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. Uh, Tiffany is not with me today. Uh, She'll be with me later. But we are hearkening back all the way back to episode number 12 when we met Cassie, who had moved to Rome while expecting a baby and was planning to have the baby at home in her house. And if you missed that episode, that's episode 12, so go back and listen to it. And today, we're just doing a follow-up. Since the baby, as you can hear, has joined us in the world, we're doing a follow-up to find out how everything went. So thanks for talking to us. Sure, my pleasure. Or to me, I guess. I'm used to having Tiffany here, but to me. So you were planning to do a home birth with a midwife. I'm just recapping a little bit. Did you have a doula or no? Just a midwife? I think they were both just midwives and an apprentice who experienced her first home birth ever with me. Oh, wow. Very nice. And they were um, from here, right? Yes, in Rome. And one of them spoke very good English, the main midwife. The other one, no English. And the midwife, a decent amount. And how did you? How was your Italian during this whole experience? There was no Italian. <laughs> no, just good old English. Well, maybe you can tell us the story of the days leading up to the birth and then how it actually went down, because... Obviously, you, you had given birth at home before, so you knew what to expect in that regard, but never in a foreign country with a foreign staff working with you. So just tell us how it went. Well, the days leading up to it were probably the most trying because I was expecting to be very timely. <laughs> Both of my other girls were on their due date or a few hours after, and he was 11 days late. <laughs> and so that was the hardest part was trying to figure out when it was going to happen and being ready because we had a birthing tub. We're doing a water birth and we have a very small water heater. (laughs) So in a very just practical setup sort of way, it was hard to know how to keep this thing filled. You couldn't have the water sit in there for too long. After a day of me not going into labor, we'd empty it again. And my husband did most of the work there taking pots out, putting them back in, like putting them on the stove, boiling water, putting them in. We probably filled the birthing tub like eight times <laughs> before he finally came. We had a couple of false starts thinking, oh, this is it. We're going to labor. Okay, go fill the tub again. <laughs> and then half a day later, okay, we got to empty it. <laughs> Sounds like it would be kind of exhausting. Were you particularly on edge? I was impatient. I don't think I was on a- edge. Those details were taken care of by Leon. I didn't have to worry about it. My job was going to be having the baby. He was he was really the prep man and making sure everything, the space was ready. And he took the stress off my shoulders. I know that uh, you had an incident with that tub. Yes, there was a final incident. Um, <laughs> it was becoming just second nature, working with the tub again, trying to fill it, asking if, am I going into labor yet? And I would be saying, no, of course not. How do I know? <laughs> I, you, you would know, if, right? I don't know. 
one day he came home. We were out at the market with his mom who had come to visit. He came home for lunch, had a bite to eat, put the hose in the tub to start filling it up yet again to be heated up later, and then left <laughs> the apartment, kind of forgot that he had done that. A couple hours later, I return with the girls and grandmama, and we go straight into the kitchen and don't hear anything, don't know anything's going on in the other room until Emma comes and says, Mom, there's water all over the place. And uh, sure enough, the tub was overflowing. We had about an inch and a half of water in our bedroom <laughs> flowing into the living room. All the rugs were drenched, and it made for some very nice spring cleaning. Fortunately, nothing valuable was on the floor, just rugs, some suitcases, and laundry. Well, I tried to clean up, but I like slipped on the water because we have only tile floors, so it's very slippery when wet. And I slipped on a little bit of something, and they both freaked out and told me to stay in the kitchen and not do anything. And they took buckets and towels, and mostly towels, just wringing out gallons and gallons of water out into the cortile. And that was the day before he was born. He was born the next day. So then we had to fill it up again, only a few hours afterwards. On the day that he was actually born, what time of day was it? It was 12.02 in the afternoon. So first thing in the morning, you wake up and... Yeah, yeah. We had some signs of labor starting in the middle of the night. We were trying to stimulate it and keep things going. But we had done this two other times before, two other nights. And one night we stayed up all night long and got to bed at five in the morning and then we were dead the next day. And so we tried again a half a night of that same sort of stimulating, keeping things going because, you know, regular contractions, we're getting hopeful, but we were like, we can't do this (laughs) if it's going to kill us. It's got to take off on its own at some point. The night before he was born, we had some signs of labor, but then set a stop point like 1.30, we're going to bed. If, if, If this is not getting any more intense, we're going to bed. So we did. But then at five, I woke up with strong contractions. Yeah, he was born just a short six hours later. Wow, that's fast. Were the girls that fast? They were fairly fast, but I think one of them was six hours or eight hours, maybe both of them. It, It all depends on how you measure it, the labor, but this one seemed so much faster. I should almost be interviewing Leon about it because your perspective is probably a lot different. How much do you actually remember about what happens in those six hours? This one I was very clear-headed about, actually. Maybe it was because I was in a foreign country and I wanted to make sure that I knew what was going on in my labor. I didn't necessarily trust or know what the Italians were taking down as far as the order of things. Because I looked back at my old midwife's records and found that they were very thorough and they said at this time this was happening, this time the contractions changed, here we did this sort of activity. And it was, it was really nice to know how my labors went in detail. That might be one of the ways that the Italian system was changing my labor as I was more aware. I knew exactly what was going on. I had contractions 5 o'clock, fairly consistent until 9. They paused until 9 in the morning. The midwives asked if (laughs) they asked me if I wanted to have this baby now to look inside myself, see if I was going to have the baby now or later. And in my head I was like, I want to have this baby now, but clearly what I want isn't necessarily what's going to happen. Look inside yourself. <laughs> yeah. I just kept those comments to myself. Uh, <laughs> that, was that a question because they thought that maybe you were purposely trying to stop it because you were afraid or something like that? Mm, I think they have just a different philosophy on knowing yourself. And I agree that I feel like my body knows how to have a baby, but mentally I'm not going to be connected to that 
information line. Sure, I want to have the baby, but the baby is going to come when he comes. You know what I mean? Um, I think it's just a different philosophy. They have a more zen approach than I might. So at 9 o'clock, what, the contractions stop? Yeah, it, it slowed down. You know, they were fairly intense, sort of like what was happening in the middle of the night. Very consistent, very regular, but not very painful. And by 9, nine between 9 and 10, we are trying to decide, okay, what's going on next? And I was like, okay, well, I'm tired, so... I'm just going to take a nap. And I think, I remember we, we lied down at 10.30 in the morning to take a nap. I thought the midwives were out of here. They were hanging out actually in the girls' room just next door, this little tiny room. There were three of them like laid out on two twin beds, hanging out, reading books, whatever. They're, so they're in my house, but leaving me to do my own thing. If I wanted any questions or whatever, I could come to them. But at that point, I was thinking, okay, they don't need to be here. I'm not going into labor. So I went into my room laid down, and almost immediately, we turned the lights off. As soon as I was relaxed enough to feel like I wanted to go to sleep, the hard-hitting contractions started to come. I stayed in my bed in the dark, mostly with my eyes closed. Like, from this point on, I, I think I kept my eyes closed the entire time. For an hour, I had those contractions, and about at 11.30, at one point in that hour, I, I got in the tub for a minute. But we don't want to get in too early, because it's could be too relaxing and pausing labor. And I was like, at this point, I don't want anything to pause this labor. I just want to have the baby. 11 days is long enough. (laughs) Um, So there was one in and out of the tub, I think. But at the slightest, you know, Leon was timing contractions. He's like, nope, that's a little bit more time in between. Get out of the tub. We don't want to do this. And I was like, okay, we got out, relaxed some more. But about 1130, I was like, okay, I think I need to get in the tub. And he was born a half an hour later. It was so fast from that point when I got in the tub and um the way Leon tells it you said he should say something he has been telling stories he says it was amazing she just got in the tub everybody stood back and she had a baby (laughs) (laughs) and the midwives were not in the room you know they could see me they were like in the living room he said he wanted to say things encourage like talk me through it or whatnot and I guess he started to talk and the midwives were like don't just step back <laughs> let her do her thing she's in the groove it was kind of true I was in a groove I was I was aware of what was happening at, at each point and at every point I was like this is very fast I can't believe I'm already I felt I think my water break in the water there was a pop he said there was a pop and he's like goes consults the midwife I don't know what they said he would have a different story go oh, I think that's the baby I you know I'm I feel like pushing. Like, it was just like everything was my own initiative. No interaction from anybody else. I think my eyes were closed. And I, being a somewhat verbal person, was the one maybe just informing them, like, where I was at. Felt like I should say what was going on. And partly to tell them and partly just out of my own disbelief that it was happening so quickly and so easily. The most painful parts of it went by so quickly and they didn't seem nearly as painful as the girls. It was amazing. It was the best labor ever. (laughs) So really, just to give people a mental picture, your house has this cute little courtyard out in the back. Uh, Right now we can see the sun streaming through. So the tub is out there. Not in the courtyard. Okay. No, it was in my bedroom. So just next to that window. All right. So just next to that window in the... Where we're sitting, the midwives are sort of hovering. Yeah, they're probably somewhere in here, although I never really saw them. Separate room. Yeah, they were in a different room. So after all that, really, you didn't even need them. Yeah. In fact, Leon was like, 
we paid 2,000 euros for this? <laughs> that was the, the package price for the final birth delivery, whatever. Don't get me wrong. We were very glad that they were here because I did require some attention after the baby was born. They did come in. Once the baby was born, pulled him out of the water, put him on my chest. It was still just a very quiet atmosphere. He stayed on me for hours. At, you know, there was no separation. It was very, very nice. I had some stitches. They took care of that. The only complications were afterwards. Like the birth itself was beautiful. And I guess... I'm prone to some bleeding, and so I had some. They took care of that with a Pitocin shot afterwards, which I had agreed to. They took, pulled out some blood clots. That was more unpleasant, I think, than the labor and delivery, with the post-labor, you know, if you want all the details. Some of the fun things that happened. I, I didn't stop bleeding, so they put in a catheter. Oh, there's some more behind your bladder. Oh, this anatomy is so interesting. <laughs> I was like, okay, so my bladder's in the way. So that was uncomfortable. But once they removed all the urine, they got a couple more blood clots out. Things cleared up very quickly. Relatively speaking, I think I bled very little because with my last baby, I bled a lot. So I bled some, but not too much. My recovery has been awesome. It was so much, so much faster. I feel so much stronger than I ever did with the girls. Well, that's interesting. It would be hard to say, because it seems like this baby came a lot easier, or maybe it's just because you have experience and you know what to expect, or who knows what. But um, was there something about their style as midwives versus the midwives you've worked at in the States that made this somehow an easier birth? Um, maybe them not coming in or not meddling was helpful? or Yeah, well, that's well, it's interesting, because that's their philosophy is that they told me to turn off my neocortex. And I, you know, if there was a button for that, maybe I would have. But <laughs> they, they really believe that going within yourself and just focusing on the task at hand is what helps the labor go smoothly. And that any auditory, even just auditory distractions from the outside world can slow down labor. This is what they had explained to me before because I had explained to them how the pros and cons of my labors with the previous midwives. And I had said I, would, I had hoped that the midwives would tell me more about what was going on and what did they see and what did they think and all this. I wasn't sure what was going on. And when I told that to my midwives here, they said, oh, well, this is what we believe. This is probably why they were quiet and we too want to be very quiet and out of the picture as much as possible so as not to distract you because your body just takes over and will do what it needs to by itself. If that is the reason why it happens so quickly and so easily, then, yeah, I guess that could be partly them. I, I mean, I don't think, I don't give them all the credit. I know each baby is different. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, maybe that's an, one reason why it went so well it was so peaceful quiet dark and i just got to it <laughs> by myself and so you deserve all the credit really no no not me <laughs> the body the baby i don't know it's a, a combination of all of them i guess i had explained to them with stella that i all the bleeding that i did and i had mentioned how we brought emma in after a certain point because we kind of wanted her to be there and she was looking at us kind of gravely, like, oh, thinking, well, you know, this could be related. She said she heard of other other birthing situations where 
other children were involved and she says the natural mother in you is concerned for your other child who's already here and trying to take care of the rest of your family and it takes away from your focus of on having the baby that could be why you bled i know of another mother same situation they had a daughter or a son who came in and it was a terrible delivery and birth and i thought back to somebody else that i knew and i was like okay her worst delivery was probably the most chaotic maybe there really is something to be said for having a peaceful atmosphere just to take away the fears and distractions and to let your body do what it needs to do maybe there maybe there's some more truth in that than we might think well you're not going to live overseas forever but you may someday have another baby do you think that you would change what you asked for if you have another child based on this experience yeah i think we might try for something similar because before we were going to have the girls in the apartment and with the midwife suggestions they said no they can be somewhere else don't bring them in until later it's not like the baby's going to change much in the first few hours they're still seeing their their brand new brother because before we'd have them brought in even sooner, but they're like, nope, even after, after the placenta is born, then, because you're still, your body's still working, you're still in labor until that point. So you have to wait until that point and let your body have a settling period and then bring in the family, then bring in other people. And I think that we will do or consider something very similar to what we did here, thanks to the midwives' suggestions. I have one more question. Why in the past have you wanted the girls? To be there. I know you decided in this particular birth that in the end you weren't going to have them there, but why did you want them there in the first place to actually be there during the birth? Well, we wouldn't have them during, we weren't sure. It, it, we were probably going to have them just immediately after he was born. Just to have a natural sense of how babies are born, you know, how we get more brothers and sisters in our family. But since they're so young, we didn't want them to be traumatized. <laughs> like, mom's screaming a lot. <laughs> this seems scary. We didn't want that effect. But we wanted them wanted to be together as a family, as our own little unit at this very special time. Bringing them in as, as soon as possible was my thought to that. But really having them just a little bit later didn't make that much of a difference. Mm-hmm. I don't know, just to, for the experience for them. I don't know if Emma will remember. She's three and seems to have a very good memory. We never wanted them there necessarily during the whole labor, just for the rose-colored part after that. Do you think Leon, your husband's role, will change in births to follow? Well, we might have him take special care of the birthing tub so that it doesn't overfill. <laughs> that role might change. No, um, hire a professional for the birthing tub and <laughs> retire him. Make sure we have an extra large water heater wherever we live next. No, I, I don't know. Uh, Is he good in those situations? Oh yeah, yeah. No, he's fantastic. He's very supportive. I mean, he set up everything. He he's the one that pulled the details together. People would ask various things about I don't know the birth setup and the midwives and. A lot of that was just his territory, so I didn't have to worry about it. So he's great like that. He's good with all those de- details. His role only changed in that he he didn't speak much and wasn't right next to me. In the next labor, if I want him next to me, then he will be. If I don't, then he won't be. So it, it kind of depends when we get there. <laughs> very nice. Well, thank you so much for sharing this story with everybody. Oh, you're very welcome.
welcome. Hopefully it'll, I don't know, inform, educate, something. Scare. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe, maybe. Inspire. All right, well, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell, and you are? Cassie Griesbach. Thanks so much for joining us. Join us again. Visit the donate page on our website, thebittersweetlife.net. All donations are reserved exclusively for the creation of audio content. Your financial support keeps us strong. Thank you.